2: It comes down to this A solid Scottish scrum George Fall Good tackle coming from Chris Harris Scotland have turned it All they've got to do is get it into touch The ball goes back The captain fires it as far as he can Scotland have done it Hello and welcome back to Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. The grand slam is on. Scotland beat England in the Calcutta Cup, and the hype train is reaching new and uncharted speeds. Alan and Matt, we were both there at the weekend. Matt, you and, you and I were there to the bitter end in Fingers Piano Bar at 3 a.m. The only way to celebrate a big Scotland win like that?
3: Pretty much. I mean, it was a real day of uh, a roller coaster of emotions in terms of. I think it was the most stressed I've ever been watching the Scotland game. <laughs> like genuinely yeah, it, I, I felt it was anxious the, the whole time. Uh, but then as soon as it was all over and you sort of could process the victory, then it was a good night ahead.
2: It certainly was. Alan, you had a, you had a slightly different evening. You you took Freya to the game. Has Freya now is she now undefeated against England?
0: She is, has never experienced a lost England in her 15-month life. Ooh, <laughs> However, there. just a bit of advice for any new fathers out there, I would not suggest taking a 15-month-old baby to a <laughs> rugby match in the winter in Scotland. It was it was fine, but uh, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> Did she enjoy herself? <laughs> no, she fucking hated it. Did she? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what is this? It's like fireworks, and then like... I had sort of the, the two very different English supporters on either side of, of us as like a family. So we had on one side, like a very quiet, very sort of nice, um, helpful English fan on my left, I think completely sober. And then on my right <laughs> had some lad who told me he was 10 pints down, sang Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, maybe 12 times, and then basically had a conversation with Ashley about how he had a nail fetish and he really liked your nails and I was like this is just all getting a bit much here.
2: Oh my so. god.
0: <laughs> but good day all, but you all know what? who gives a shit.
2: <laughs> I was speaking to somebody afterwards at, at one of the bars and they were sat sort of in the uh, south stand right next to the platform where like the BBC like Gabby Logan and John uh, Barkley was. Apparently, some English lad was pissed up right next to the platform, singing Swing Low, trying to like disrupt the BBC. apparently, Barclay just like leant over and he was just like, Shut the fuck up, mate. No one likes you. And like, he just like com- completely folded. And this bloke just like sat down. So, really, really <laughs> enjoyable to hear. <laughs> That's <was> class. <laughs> So, yeah, it was a hell of a day at sold out BT Murrayfield. And we're going to go through all of that and talk about what it means in the context for the tournament and the big trip to Cardiff at the weekend. But we'll start off with thanking, you you know, an undefeated sponsor. It must be a great place to be if you are a fan base. Um, There are sponsors uh, for this first portion of the six nations and they're changing the sports landscape with their technology and they're from right here in scotland so if you are a rugby club looking to go digital fan base is the partner you've been waiting to waiting to hear from in a matter of hours you can launch a mobile app for your supporters containing news videos articles sell tickets to your lunches to your events and to your matches all in one place they're already making huge inroads in football and they're now looking forward to doing looking to do the same in rugby so get in touch you can find them at fanbaseclub.com or get them onto twitter at fanbase understroke club that is fanbase thanks very much for all their support so we've talked about the festivities before and after the matches lads matt talk me through your sort of give me your sort of top line thoughts on the game itself scotland obviously winners 20 points to 17 what did you make of the performance
3: yeah, I I wrote in the newsletter that um, Substack Thistle Rugby Podcast. Uh, I thought the performance was probably a, a six or a seven out of ten, and then I rewatched the whole game yesterday. Um, the 10 second skip function on YouTube is quite good. You can sort of cut out a lot of unnecessary scrum time, etc. Um, and I actually think it was probably more of a seven out of ten because I think that the a lot of things didn't work quite as they would have wanted um I think particularly the lack of possession and territory they had would be maybe a bit of a concern, but I think that obviously the fact they won the game is really important, and the maturity they showed to to sorry to get that result. but I also think there were some good technical sides to the performance, like the defense completion rate of 94%. Um, I thought kicking game was excellent from Hog, Russell, Price. We were very good under the high ball and our exits were great. And ultimately, when we had chances, we took them. So I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, but I think Scotland should be pretty happy with, with the performance as well as the result.
2: Alan, in the, uh, in the pod, WhatsApp group, you've been distinctly... Um upset, not just that you weren't allowed to come out with the lads after the game, but about sort of, you've been sort of downplaying Scotland's
0: performance. Um, do you disagree with Matt? The, just the knock-on effects of not being able to pay £5 for, for a warm WKD and fingers, sort of really infiltrating my sort of uh, emotional state. No, I think if you, I, I sort of split it into sort of three, three sections, I think, the match. So you look at the first 40, I'd probably give Scotland like a six, you generally didn't have a lot of ball, pretty dominated in terms of obviously territory and possession and sort of a mix of Scotland's defense and pretty strong defense, both in terms of sort of individual tackling and and scrambling, but also just England's general sort of lack of being able to finish a lot or finish a lot of those opportunities or I guess being clinical meant that we sort of got to halftime. And I don't know about you two, but I was a little bit, I felt a little bit shocked that we were actually winning, you know, 10-6. It, it really did feel like we had been the slightly worse off team in that first half. And then you sort of switched to sort of the third quarter, where I think I would give Scotland maybe a four. I think the game management was really poor. And I think as you sort of got to that 60-minute period, when Marcus Smith scored that try and they went 17-10 up, I genuinely thought the game was over and I thought England were going to sort of pull away. And then you sort of get into that last quarter where you obviously have that f- that first part where you had the the back-to-back cross-kick, which I think was unbelievable. And then I think just generally how Scotland managed that game, apart from maybe the last sort of five minutes, five minutes was, was absolutely world-class. So I think it... it Overall, I think probably what Matt's saying is right in terms of that performance, but I think actually sort of three very different parts of the game, which I think in given what happened against Exeter for Glasgow a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have expected at all. And I think actually sort of even sort of three or four years ago, I don't think we would have got back in that game.
2: Yeah, I think that that feels about right, and certainly, definitely, that when we went um, when we went seven points down, it certainly felt like it was gone, and like the Murrayfield went. I don't know if you guys felt this as well. Murrayfield went really flat for about ten minutes, having been absolutely bouncing, it went really, really flat. Um, looking into those individual performances, Alan, you picked out the the double cross kicks, Finn getting lots and lots of plaudits. Um, was it his sort of all-round controlling game or his kicking that um, you think he sort of excelled in?
0: I think, especially in in the first half, as sort of Matt pointed out, I actually think mainly around exits he was a pretty influential figure. I think just more from a forward standpoint, we seem to sort of struggle to get the ball and maintain the ball, and I don't think that's a fault of Finn. And then in that second half, you know, ultimately we needed a, a piece of inspiration and that's ultimately what he delivered. Right. You know, <laughs> what the, the, the back-to-back cross kick, you know, not only gave some momentum, but also created a situation in which an England player was in a role that he felt incredibly uncomfortable with and made a massive mistake. And it's actually interesting comparing it to Marcus Smith, who had a cross field kick opportunity, which, if he put it on point, England would have scored a try in that first half and he wasn't able to execute it. So I think just being able to execute at what is a key moment with a lot of pressure is exactly what we we need from Finn. And, and he delivered on it, right?
2: Certainly felt that in the big moments, he, the narrative of sort of Master versus Apprentice seemed to come true. Um and we all love a bit of narrative. Um, I mean, sticking with other individual performances, Matt, you talk about those sort of senior players coming through, um, Hoggy overruling Finn to sort of go for the posts to put us to 2017. Is that the sort of like mature decision that perhaps Scotland have been lacking over the last um, few years?
3: Yeah, I mean, it happened in the autumn as well, didn't it? Yeah. Um, Against, was it Australia? I can't remember, but yeah, I thought overall Hogg, it was a kind of captain's performance I think that I think there's been some question marks around whether you make your fullback captain but if he can display that sort of security at the back then I think it breeds quite a lot of confidence in the team um, I thought that his I think maybe he had one kick charged down but apart from that his kicking um, he sort of won the kicking tennis battle on quite a few occasions and when he when he well first mucked up but then scooped up that Max Malin's kick and then managed to beat him and managed to to sort of hold the ball up for a support to arrive. You kind of felt like he couldn't do much wrong. Um, and u- ultimately, it's a bit like Finn. He had one real opportunity in attack and it was that outside line um, taking Itoji or bringing Itoji out of the line that that put Diasa Graydon through. Um, so... Yeah, as I said, I think it was captain's performance, and maybe one of his most complete international performances for quite a while, actually.
0: Hoggy did have that moment, which I've had previously, where that split second between the ball leaving your hands and your foot hitting the ball, and you get tackled. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always like a really upsetting moment, if it's ever happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I thought Itoji... Read that play perfectly, and it was actually Ezekiel that had an Who, who ultimately, I, I think it if Ezekiel had held, had stayed on Graham, it told you had Hoggy all day. It was, uh, yeah, clearly he rushed up, which puts a little bit more pressure on Ezekiel, but uh, it, it was interesting. that I actually think you know, it read exactly what was going on, and it was more. You know, clearly Graham just hit that short line and was able just to get through that little gap between Youngs and Ezekwe.
2: Alan, is it now? Do you want thirty seconds to do your apology to Darcy Graham, or is that going to be later on?
0: No, no, it's completely <laughs> fair. It's no, it's interesting. I think you know. Fair. Firstly, I said that it wasn't a day for Darcy Graham, and fundamentally, I think he probably had. The two of the three pivotal moments in in the whole match. So, you know what the, what the hell do I know? Um, <laughs> I also think on for Tuney, I would say that he made three big calls. Maybe two, maybe slightly yeah. more than others. Which was Darcy to start in the wing. I think Gilchrist to start in the row was a big one, and then potentially Johnson versus Tupoluto versus Redpath, etc. And I think actually for Johnson, he didn't really get any chance to to do much, right? I don't, I don't think it really matters who was in that 12-shirt for the first 60 minutes. I don't think they're doing very much. But for those two key decisions around Graham and Gilchrist, I think he he's you know, retrospectively two massive and absolutely correct calls. because I think both players were probably in your top three or four Scotland players on the day, right? And his his fourth big call was handing the debut
2: to Ben White. Yeah. (laughs) The the most impactful what-the-fuck selection since Daryl Marfo. I mean, for impact per minutes
3: on the pitch, Ben White it might be the most impactful sub ever.
2: Possibly, in world rugby history.
3: (laughs) I think, um, just going back to, to Darcy Graham, I think it was... It still could have been quite a bad selection if England had kicked better. Or not a bad selection, but could have caused us some more trouble. But I, I felt like England's kicking just wasn't quite on the money. And even when they did kick well, to be fair, we dealt very well with it. Um, uh, yeah, England's kicking was all over the shot.
0: Yeah, and there was even a few moments in the first half where it, they had sort of your classes sort of maybe like a four and three or a five on three and you had someone like Elliot Daly sort of grubbering it through. And I just think Finn and Hogg sort of covering the backfield in those sort of moments are quite comfortable with that. Um, and think- a lot
3: of the time, a lot of the time as well, those kicks just dribbled into touch. And you know maybe we'll, we'll talk about it more when we come to the forwards, but Scotland's lineup was 100%. And even in those, when we're throwing in from our five-metre line, we're going over the top to Figgerson, getting a good platform, and and actually clearing the ball quite comfortably. So I I don't really know why they... Obviously, it was a pre-planned tactic, but it didn't quite seem the right one.
0: There was... In terms of that first half, there was quite a few moments where I thought Scotland would potentially try and kick it out, and they kept the ball in play. Do you think that was a deliberate tactic to try and keep the pace of the game high? Because it felt in that first half like England were trying to keep... Slow it down, and Scotland were trying to um, keep the pace high.
3: Yeah, uh, maybe. Although I, I, I think that actually, when England got going, they were making meters getting over the gain line relatively easily. And I think I was looking at some of the stats, and like even Ludlam made Ludlam and I think Simmons made more meters than Matt Fagerson in total. Yeah, um, and, and I actually felt like. Smith was the one who was directing things and wanting to put pace on it. But there was sort of this, when the ball got outside him, this pre-planned kicking game. Um, I also think as well, in in terms of the kicking tennis, you know, you you maybe look at those guys who are in the backfield for England, March and Stewart at Malins, and Scotland probably thought we can put Russell and Hogg in, in the backfield. And probably... Win that kicking battle seven times out of ten. So I don't think it's actually a bad strategy.
0: I I also just don't think the Scot Scotland were that scared of what a Marchant Stewart Malins back three can bring from a running perspective. You yeah. know, versus Duhan, Hogg, and and Darcy Graham, I actually think it's a much more ineffectual <laughs> kind of kick return, especially someone like Freddie Stewart. He's, he's, he's not, I don't think he's someone who's going to step and sort of break the line with with ease, right?
2: So Yeah, you, you talk about people that can sort of step and, and, and make massive impact. Matt, what, what did you think of duhan in this game? It seemed to be that he was, you know, really important for, for sort of turning the English defence, but also just like a little bit of getting Scotland out of trouble when they just needed somebody to get them over the line.
3: Yeah, I think when he got his hands on the ball... It, Seemed as if the England defence was actually slightly scared of him, um, and the amount of first-up tackles that they missed on him, I think, just sort of fed that fear. And it, it was good to see him actually being brought into the attack at one point. And I think it was Daly he ran through, but you know, made like an easy 10, 15 fifteen metres. I think he was he was penalised in the end, and I think he was penalised on a couple of occasions. And I've seen a few people on Twitter saying that he tends to to run away from support slightly, which I I have some sympathy with, but I also think if you're if you see Doohan with the ball, the chances are he's going to break tackles. So I think it's on it's the onus of the rest of the team to to support him. Um but yeah I also think he was he was very good under the high ball. And I think on a couple of occasions when either Hogg or Russell were under pressure, ship it onto Doohan and you know he's gonna make Yards. He's going to break a couple of tackles and hold the ball up, allow his forwards to get back in support. Um, yeah, I thought he was actually a really effective weapon in the end on Saturday.
0: And that right arm. I know. I know the. I know Finn <laughs> Russell's getting all the getting all the um, the attention for. I don't know what what would you say his his sort of poses in in that sort of post match photo. Sort of doing the the, the sort of pinky and thumb out is it like, like a gang sign yeah is, is it a gang sign i don't know <laughs> it's not like
3: a it's not like an aussie hang loose thing
0: yeah it's, Oh, that's that. a bit right yeah less <laughs> aggressive um but also just the right hand side do hands doing sort of classic like strong man sort of bicep tense and it's genuinely like i've got some pretty big thighs like really big thighs <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's maybe the same size as one of my thighs. It is it's obscene. Enormous.
2: There's also, it's it's quite telling. In quite a lot of like the Scotland celebration photos, Duhan is um, like tensing his arms
0: <laughs> like, sort of fairly gratuitously. Fair play. The man is obscene and he's still so quick. <laughs>
2: he's free. Just such and actually, a power athlete. Like, I don't think Scotland have ever had, Scotland have never had a winger like him or maybe somebody that's as a ferocious ball carrier as him
0: no not so, but he's he's still also quite light on his feet there was that moment where he sort of yeah. dropped it but dropped it backwards and then made sort of that 30 40 meter break just before Hall gave the pen and he he can move on his and his feet quite quite quickly which for a winger of that size you normally don't have um, but yeah the the other uh, moment the <laughs> other moment and the, just on the the backs i in my sort of seat in the uh, in the south stand I thought that Sam Simmons was going to get red carded for knocking out Ali Price. But on reflection, or oh, after a rewatch, it was actually a head-on-head clash, which I think, in theory, could have got Ali Price sent off.
3: <laughs> yeah, head-on-head is a red card, right?
0: Yeah, but it was just that Price got ended, so no one looked yeah. into it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, about let's stick on let's stick on Ali Price though Matt. We talked about the the power of Scotland's exits, which has not necessarily been a strength for the team previously. But his kicking game, you know, we talked a lot um, with some sort of tartan tinted glasses, particularly over the Lions tour about Ali Price's kicking game. But some of his exit kicking and his, his wider kicking game was, was spot on at the weekend.
3: Yeah, I think it's been really interesting to see the evolution in Ali Price from a guy who was probably better known for his running game versus his kicking game in particular. I think his pass has always been pretty good, but you know he doesn't necessarily make those kind of breaks anymore, even though I think he probably could. But his kicking game has come, come on massively. Um, and we were talking about how good Scotland were at those exits earlier on. I think that a, a lot of that came from his box kicking. And whether it was kicks to touch or contestable kicks, I think pretty much every single one was, was bang on the money. And I, I, at the time, I wasn't quite sure what had led to him going off the HIA. So re-watching it, he gets absolutely smashed by Simmons, is on the deck for quite a while, gets up and plays another sort of three or four minutes in which he puts in, I think, three box kicks. They're all absolutely bang on the money before he goes away for his HIA. It, it was actually like quite an incredible bit of performance for that, that bit of time.
0: Does it make up for his Times interview in the week leading up to the match?
2: I, I, I'm, I don't think that was an interview with Ali Price. I think they were like, let's interview an influencer. And then they found out that Ali Price lived with one. It was basically <laughs> it, it was basically all about her and her rabbit. And that's absolutely fine. But it was really weird to see it in the sports section. Mate, the <laughs>
3: man, man, is, the man is just won the Calcutta Cup again. He can have a pet rabbit if he wants.
2: I, look, have as many rabbits as you like, Ali. If you keep playing like like this, and I thought, I thought the, the sort of the stories, um, you know, about how he struggled over lockdown and how that sort of led him to, you know, running a lot, losing a lot of weight, and that sort of knocked onto his form. So, yeah, I think I thought it was interesting, but I did think that eighty percent of it was. I thought it was a bit strange that we were hearing about him sliding into her DMs and how they that met. was the weirdest bit. That was the weirdest bit. I was, like, uh, yeah. I was like, Ali. Did you know this was the direction this was going in when this was set up?
3: <laughs> I think the SRU knew about it. Like, what what have you published?
2: I don't know. I, well, I mean, they they would they wouldn't have let Ali Price go on without um, some sort of say so. So you go. All, there was also it was a big weekend for um, Scotland uh, Scotland wives and girlfriends. Um, Eve Canning, uh, I think Finn's girlfriend, was interviewed as well over the weekend. About how she wants to live up to to Finn's to Finn's levels as a heptathlete. So there you go. How did you how did
3: you how did you know that? Where did you come across that? actually?
2: my dad actually sent it to me. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> good man. Yeah, I've just got I've just got an alert for all the girlfriends of the Scotland squad because they're also a really good source of um really good source of content on like international nights out because they're not subject to like the SRU's like social media crackdowns. So usually you get some good content in the
0: background. And I know we're making a slight detour and we will get back to the forwards. But so obviously from Xander's interview it sounds that at least some people went out. Yeah. I think I think the only sighting we have was not Hamish Watson and Magnus Bradbury in Tackle Bell. That, I, I'm Where sure is, I, I'm
2: sh- I. I haven't seen that.
0: <laughs> Some someone said that Magnus Bradbury and Hamish Watson were dining out in Taco Bell at like 10 p.m. after the match. And I think there's one just just at the just at the West End. 10 p.m. Is there? Yeah. So maybe you were you were you were because you were there. You maybe may I wasn't. My I you. wasn't
2: miles away from the West End. At yeah, 10 just on Shan, Shanwick Place. I couldn't be sure, but. At one point in fingers, we had someone on our shoulders, and I think it was Gregor Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> I can't rule it out. Look, that's all I'm saying. I think it could have been him. Um, should we should we talk about the forwards though? Though, Alan, I mean, um, should we start with I guess one of the other talking points when we were doing the preview pod last week was the choice to 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 keep Matt Fagerson in the eight shirt, not roll the dice with Matt Fagerson. Some people thought that. Sorry, roll the dice with um, Magnus Bradbury, and then he rolls out. You know, possibly a formative performance in the Scotland jersey, man of the match in the Calcutta Cup. You know, what, what did you make of make of him on the day, Alan?
0: Yeah, well, I just realised when I made that big point about Townsend having three big selections, I completely forgot about Matt Ferguson <laughs> and Magnus Bradbury, which is obviously the addition, the, the probably the, the, the biggest fourth. one as well. The, the yeah. fourth. Um, yeah, no, it's really, really, really good. And I think fundamentally there was, there was a couple of key moments in an attack where Scotland needed to get over the advantage line and needed that, um, that quick ball, which he delivered. And then both in terms of his just tackling, but also just abrasiveness, at rough, a rough time. I, I, I just thought generally it was a really good all round performance that um, was exactly what Scotland needed especially in that first half
3: I think as well Alan you might have said in last week's pod that Figures had never really had a defining international performance so you're just you're just getting all the big calls right uh, <laughs> wrong left left, <laughs> left right and centre
0: Well, so, um, it seems to just sort of keep happening especially it was the year ago when we basically spent a quarter of the pod saying how George Turner couldn't hit arrows and now he's become potentially the most efficient Line it through in Northern Hemisphere rugby, so you know it's, it's uh, another.
2: It is another proof point to suggest that our pod is part of the pre-match sort of warm-up. They're just. <laughs> I think uh, there's definitely something here. There's correlation, certainly, <laughs> between between these events. But, I mean, yeah. I mean-
1: there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
0: so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you.
2: I think Matt Ferguson had a, a massive performance and I can't remember which one of you it was, but, you know, Grant Gilchrist, um, putting in a, an absolutely massive shift a lot. We were all quite surprised that he was picked over, over Cummings, but um, Matt, I, a pretty massive performance from from him.
3: Yeah, I actually I quite like that balance between Gray and, and Gilchrist um, in terms of you, you've got that sort of bigger lock that's maybe there for scrummaging, tackling, carrying, and then you've got a slightly taller... Uh, probably like a little bit leaner lock, who's your kind of major line-out jumper. Um, And the the line-out was 100%, again, like it was on on our own ball um, with a couple of steals thrown in for good measure as well. And I think Grant Gilchrist was a pretty big part of that. And I I think also he just, he had a really good game in the loose. Uh, Watching the game back, he was uh, involved in quite a lot of the big, tackles whether he was coming in as the kind of second man on that uh, yeah I think he actually had a really really good game and I you know I'd, I'd be tempted to, to keep him there rather than um, bring in, in
2: Cummings. sorry I accidentally put myself on mute um, yeah and we'll, we'll come on to talk about sort of potential changes that we might we might want to make before Before Wales, but I think one one thing that is worth talking about was changes that were made during the game. I mean, not typically an area of strength, certainly not during the time we've been doing the pod. Alan, how impactful was it to be able to take off, you know, a very quality front row and replace it wholesale with another very quality front row?
0: The bomb squad. Can't believe we've got our our own version.
2: (laughs) Yeah, what I love about it is it is two thirds South African
0: as well. I know, I know, <laughs> <laughs> and I never really feel like Hooker is is really like the definitive part of the bomb squad as well. It's very <laughs> much like the props that are coming yeah. on. Um,
2: I thought she, I thought Schumann in particular was was really good when he came on.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I think there was a few things a few people sort of talking about whether Schumann would start, and I I still think that Sutherland gives a lot around around the park. I think when you look at the the try. That Scotland scored in the first half. Obviously, Sutherland was working back hard for the quick lineout, and he was the first man at that ruck over Sam Johnson, ensuring that they got that quick ball. And I think sometimes just that pace around the park is what Sutherland can bring you over someone like a Schumann. And
2: yeah, I, some great I, detail. I think it was Charlie Morgan at the Telegraph like broke down that it was like it was Ferguson and Sutherland that were like on the ground on the halfway line. They got back to the ten. And then basically went straight back to clear out that rock, but just like a little donut yeah. shuttle, like after however many minutes of play when they would have been absolutely blowing, like savage
0: work, right? No, exactly. And I think, uh, and then Schumann you know, just coming on with 25 minutes to go, it just brings such an impact, which someone like a Sutherland is just not going to be able to give you. Right. I, I ge- genuinely, when I can't remember, I think it was after the England penalty, Scotland were kicking off towards where I was sitting and I looked at Xander Ferguson and he put in an absolute shift in the first half and he looked fucked. He genuinely looked like he had nothing left in the the locker, which is completely fair. Obviously, just put in like a great 50 minutes and like ended himself. Um, But yeah, it was definitely, I think, when the bomb squad came on, I was was happy because I, I felt like they they both had put in a pretty massive shift, especially in defence. And uh, it was good to have that sort of additional sort of dose of energy (laughs) coming on. And obviously Rambo, thankfully was able to sort of keep up that pretty good sort of line-out performance.
3: I actually thought the, um, the starting front row had really good games. It was just the scrum that didn't quite work. And it felt like quite a lot of the infringements were sort of quite technical rather than them getting out scrummage, like I think they were I think George Turner got done for this hooker break thing yeah, whatever foot, it's the, called the foot God. break the foot break
0: whatever it's called he seemed a bit miffed I'd actually um, never I actually still don't know what that means
3: yeah
2: because it no, came I mean, up neither. on the big screen in my it was like penalty reason foot break not applied and I was like okay sounds because I think
3: cool. Turner did it Turner did it in the first place and it was just a a short arm free kick, and then McAnally did it and it would turn into a penalty. Um, but I, I felt in the in the loose, those guys had, had really good games. Um, there, there was just something about seeing like Schumann, Nell, McAnally, Skinner, Bradbury coming on that, although the game is very tight, gave me like quite a lot of confidence, actually. The, the um, thing is,
2: you, you, you riff off those names, Matt if they any one of those five had been named in the starting 15, we all would have been like, yeah, okay, I, I kind of get that. Like, the, the, We're almost at a sort of interchangeable level of quality there, which again is somewhere we've not been for a long time. Yeah,
3: I think particularly Skinner was the one who sort of stole that last line out. And then one of his carries where he ran over the top of, I think it might have been Curry. And then offloaded to Watson. That sort of allowed Scotland to surge into that position where they, were Finn bound across the the cross field. So he had quite a few big big involvements.
2: So so looking ahead to the weekends, Alan and I will be will be in Cardiff. Looking very much looking forward to it. Um, what if any changes do you think we might see um, to the starting fifteen? obviously there's going to be an, an injury enforced one with. Um, Jamie Ritchie not reporting for duty do you would you would you bring Skinner straight into that
3: I, th- I think so I think that he's a a kind of like for like sub in some ways um, I think that he offers that option at line out time that you would lose with Roy Darge for instance I think and um, and I also just think he's a really high-quality player who has never let Scotland down. Um, and I, I don't see him. Although I think Jamie Ritchie had a really good game in the weekend, but I, I don't see you losing that much by having Skinner in there. Um, part part of me would love a you know Darge Watson combination. Um, and you you do look at that Wales team and think they've got basically three sevens in their back row who are all very good at the breakdown, but. I think that having Skinner in there provides you the best balance.
2: Yeah, and and we are hearing very early discussions, very early rumours that Skinner is potentially winning that race to uh, to replace um, to replace Richie in the, in the starting fifteen at the weekend. Another little tidbit that we've picked up is perhaps that Sioni Tio might be coming in at twelve for Sam Johnson. Alan, you you sort of talked about. Sam not really doing anything wrong, not being sort of hugely in the game. But if it is to be Tua Pelotti, what sort of change do you think that can potentially bring at the Millennium Stadium?
0: Probably gives you maybe a little bit more more impetus. Obviously, he's not got the same um, probably general sort of connection with someone like a Harris. You know, Johnson Harris played a lot, a lot together, and I think Johnson is just incredibly solid at sort of managing that sort of especially the sort of channel between him and him and Finn but at the same time quite a few of those Welsh players have played against and been brutalized by Tupulutu in the last um, in the last few months you know especially more recently sort of the Ospreys where he had a sort of man of the match performance and i think you know up against Tompkins and i don't know potentially Josh Adams I don't, I, I don't actually know what they're going to be doing in the centers you know, two, two players that you know obviously aren't terrible in defence, but aren't aren't particularly big, and having that option of what is an incredibly strong runner of the ball is a use, is a useful option to have.
2: And I suppose if that does come to pass, it means Cam Redpath not involved again. Um, do you think that's just a? I guess suppose we're totally speculating in the mind of Gregor Townsend here, but maybe see a Redpath on the bench perhaps offer something a little bit different?
3: Yeah, I think that, although the Scotland's out the okay in parts, I think that, that it's just a bit of a breakdown when we tried to get the ball beyond 12. Um, and whether that's just mistakes in the pitch or there's just not quite that connection there between, between Finn and Sam Johnson at the moment, I'm not sure, but you'd like to think that, as we talked about before, Redpath just offers that sort of second 10 option. Um, and I quite like the the sound of that really in terms of him being able to bring the likes of Doohan and Darcy into the game properly. Um, and yeah, I think I think that Tupulutu offers a lot in that midfield as well. Uh, a lot of go, maybe a little bit more go forward ball than Sam Johnson, who I think in that role actually did reasonably well at the weekend, but maybe you've got a little bit more punch
0: there. I wouldn't be upset if Redpath gets uh, gets the gig. Um, I think probably your your need for someone like Triplett is a little bit lessened by obviously having Duhan, and, and to be fair, Harris is can carry relatively hard as well. So there's a there's a part of me that likes I like just I'd like to see Finn Finn and Redpath again working together. I think I sort of was about to say I like the idea of them working together. They've literally only played together once, and it, if it looks great. Um, but I wonder whether, just with Tompkins at twelve, whether they'll they'll like the idea of having someone like Tupelo to sort of hitting in between him and him and bigger. Yeah, um,
2: we do love Cam Redpath and hope to see him back in the Scotland shirt very very soon. Um, any other changes that you might you you think that 2D might be considering,
0: Matt? It's, it's kind of hard to roll the dice after winning the Calcutta Cup. I guess if, if Skinner comes in, do you think it's just a straight? Cummings coming onto the bench? Would have thought so. Um, yes,
3: I think so, and then still have Bradbury there. I mean, there, yes. there's there's potentially, I mean, with potentially an argument that you bring Bradbury on at eight and shift Faggerton to six. Um, but once again, I just think that Skinner offers you enough there and Faggerton's had such a
0: good game at eight that you want to carry on that, that momentum. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it does feel like a lot of those players in just Scotland generally now have that momentum. It's just obviously like a strange and like intangible thing, but you can sort of feel it that as we sort of shift on, we've kind of played badly, but won, which is a very un-Scottish thing to do. And we sort of move on into this sort of match where we're playing a team that's just been pumped and it, you do feel that hype train just building and building. And I'm, I'm so ready to, to sit down and crack open a can on that train to Cardiff.
2: So ready this time. Matt's Matt's not being allowed to come banned. Yeah. Yeah. So no had a ticket being banned from going I'm <laughs> my wife. classic. <laughs> so hand packed. Um, Well, we will come back to talk about Scotland-Wales and preview. We're going to do another pod later in the week when the team is announced. We'll do a little bit of a preview pod. Um, And as I say, Alan and I are going to be down there. So looking forward to catching up with plenty of you in and around the Millennium Stadium at the weekend. But um, there is some URC rugby this weekend. We're going to have a quick look forward to that. Edinburgh fans, you've been grumbling a little bit on our social medias. We are going to talk a little bit about your game at Leinster. Don't worry, but the fine folks at Glasgow Warriors allowed us to speak to one of our heroes this week. Caught up with Duncan Weir as um, Glasgow prepare to play um, Munster um, on Friday night at Scotston. He also had a bit of a chat and gave us his thoughts on the Scotland game. So here is a quick, uh, quick chat with Duncan Weir. <laughs> All right, absolutely delighted to be joined on the line. I think he's walking his dogs at the moment. Duncan Weir, Duncan, how are you, man? Hi there, how are you getting on? Yeah, not too, not too bad. Um, have you recovered from the weekend? Are you we watching it?
4: Yeah, no, uh, I watched it in the house, in the, the home comforts of the house and not in the elements. But um, no, it was, a, it was a great game. And, and yeah, the, the boys dug in after the first half and got the result, which was fantastic to, to see.
2: Yeah, absolutely. How do you think it sets them up for uh, for the rest of the tournament?
4: I think they're in a good place. I thought pre-tournament, uh, even with the, the squad that they announced, I thought um, you could see that Scottish Rugby is in a very good place and um, the squad depth and the competition for places was was up where the probably the highest. I probably uh, can remember it anyway in the near future. So, uh, I just what's past there, so no, we're we're in a good strong space and um, there was a lot of resolve in that first half and uh, a couple of bits of magic from Finn in the last twenty that uh, carried the boys
2: home. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's that sort of good place that Scottish rugby's in is sort of translating across to, to Glasgow and Edinburgh as well, both sort of riding high in the in the URC. Got Munster coming your way on um, on Friday evening. What, what is it about the Munster and Glasgow rivalry? It always seems to produce a good games and B like there's a bit of niggle there, isn't there? Yeah, I think um, it stems back right from my my first
4: spell at the club and uh, we obviously were starting to uh, turn over the the big teams in the league and probably the, the Munster didn't take it too kindly. They were the first team that, um, as their physical nature to the to their game that uh, once we were starting to dominate them, they were the, the first people to, to kind of not throw their toys at the tram, but obviously uh, come gunning for us uh and trying to uh, almost bully us at times. So, um yeah, no, we've got a, a good bit of history and obviously we've got a, a huge amount of bragging rights from the 2015 final.
2: Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And how... Obviously, you were just in today. There was the Scotland game at the weekend. How does the week look look for you guys running into a, into a Friday night with uh, Munster coming to town? So we trained
4: yesterday on Sunday. Uh, we came in and uh, got together and we, we were coming off the back of a week off. So it was good to, to get back uh, as a team and, and get thinking about our next job in hand, which is Munster on Friday night. So we trained today, we'll have tomorrow off and then uh train Wednesday team run for tra- uh Thursday into to the game on Friday night so yeah it's a, a huge huge uh, opportunity to get back at home um love to uh, the the fans back in the Larashill game and we had a really good atmosphere at Scottsdale that night so uh under the lights again on a Friday night which is arguably the the fans favorite um day for a a home game so you know hopefully we get a big turnout and uh yeah we can we can set uh Scottish rugby on a on a high uh, leading into the the
2: Saturday test. Absolutely and obviously with the, a lot of lads away with with Scotland might be a slightly changed team and but there's some pretty interesting and talented young lads coming through at, at Glasgow. You're a bit of a bit of an elder statesman I think we can say now. Um how's it been seeing these seeing these young lads come through?
4: Yeah, no it's been great. Um I'm fully aware that um, I'm probably the most senior back in the in the back division at the minute <laughs> after Pete Horn retired in uh, in January there. So um, yeah, I've got the the old man's tag at the minute, which is <laughs> which is I'm happy to to wear. I still feel good body wise, but no, I, I was delighted to see the the young guys coming through. I think we've we've got a really good squad at Glasgow. Um, just with the call offs at around about Christmas, and then a uh, the couple of uh, COVID stuff like. We've not seen uh, uh, the vast amount of of the talent in our squad because the, the team that we're playing we're, we're doing a good job. So hopefully over this six next period, like you say, guys can uh, grab the opportunity and, and really uh, push the team forward to to mm-hmm. make uh, make competition and and just more headaches really for for selectors. But yeah, I think the the one from the the Connick game and and obviously Laroche's couple of touches was Ollie Smith coming through, and yeah, yeah I'm, I'm delighted to to see how well he's going and, and if I can help these young guys come through and, and take some pressure off them. Obviously being a an older guy and, and a decision maker and I'm I'm happy to wear any decisions or take any heat off those guys and just let them go and play and enjoy themselves as, as best they can. And,
2: and positionally, you've got young lad like Ross Thompson coming through. Um yep. how's it been how's it been sort of working with him and um, what sort of he's he's obviously got a sort of bag of tricks, but is he someone that you've been impressed with sort of up close?
4: Yeah, no. Ross has done really well. Um, he's got a, a lovely left foot on him, um, and he controls the game really well at ten. Um, we're we're pretty similar in some some aspects of our, our game management, which is looking great. It's great for for us to 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 kind of see the game in, in in the same light. But um, yeah, I've I've been really impressed with him. Um, he's took his opportunities, um, and yeah, it's it's been a it's been a, a long old season at times for me not, not getting as much game time as you probably hoped. I had a few mm. soft tissue injuries that meant my game time was having to be limited and all the rest of it but uh, nonetheless Ross deserved every opportunity he got and um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to see uh, where he can push forward in the next couple of years
2: alright good stuff. Well, it all starts as you say, uh, Friday night against uh, against Munster. We'll we'll let you get off. Uh, appreciate you giving us a little bit of time this afternoon, and um, Not I'll chat problem. to you soon. Perfect. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye. <laughs> So there you are, Duncan. We're always an absolute treat to to catch up with the Pudding live. And if you are interested in going to Glasgow versus Munster, there are still tickets available um, on the Glasgow Warriors website. Um, Starting from 28 quid, concessions from 24. What a perfect way to kick off a rugby weekend. Glasgow versus Munster at Scotston on Friday night. Get yourself involved. Um... Lad, should we, should we talk a little bit about Edinburgh just to finish off? Travelling over to the RDS to, to play against Leinster, um, who despite having literally the whole Ireland team away are still going to be able to put up a formidable side. Mike Blair, Matt, talking this week about he's sort of comparing this fixture to Edinburgh's big one against Saracens that they went on to win in Europe as a sort of a benchmark of where they are. I mean, what 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 um, what sort of chance do you think Edinburgh have got going away to the RDS this weekend?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously both sides have been missing a lot of players. Um, and I, th- I think that with, with Dave Cherry now called into the Scotland squad, um, there's a few fans on Twitter basically wondering where the next hooker is coming from. Because um, I think at the moment you've only really got that Adam McBurney guy and... Patrick Harrison, I last saw, him, was on loan at Wasps*. He might have come back by now, but um, we'll be with the under twenties.
1: Oh, yeah, he is yeah, with well, the yeah. I
3: wonder which. Yeah, I wonder which. What would take Preston in That. Um, he might have to play for Edinburgh because there might be no one else. Um, so yeah, it's 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 hard to see a, a heavily weakened Edinburgh team. But then they still have the likes of. Um, Buffelli and Moyano, Mata may be available to play. I think they can still send across a, a strong enough side. It's just that Leinster do have such strength in in depth and it seems as if they can still roll out a Devon Toner, a Sean Cronin, Rhys Ruddock, Alatoa in the pack, for instance, that it's it's definitely going to be a, a difficult
0: one. A few, few of the injuries in the back row, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure if Crosby's... Going to be back or, or Haining will be back so you're sort of left with I imagine I guess Gunavula, Boyle and Munkaster, which is it's actually not the worst in the world but it's obviously a mix of quite a lot of inexperience up against what I imagine will be a lens to pack which is well drilled and, and sort of trying to, as they usually do get significantly sort of quick ball so um but no It'd be interesting. It'll actually be, you know, looking at a nice little Friday Friday night match. Keen to keen to see how some of them some of them get on, especially someone like Boyle and Munkaster, who may be looking to get a bit more game time with, with with um Scotland players away. See how they can do against what is ultimately gonna be an extremely strong Leinster side.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Edinburgh got a chance to go back to the top of the URC Ulster, currently sitting there, but Edinburgh have got a game in hand. Um, so yeah, that is a, it is a massive weekend of, um, of Scottish rugby. Um, last little, little bit to talk about before we go, lads. it's being rumored, um, that Scotland are going to tack on an extra international fixture to their summer tour to Argentina and pick up a game against Chile on the way. Alan, good opportunity to cap anybody that's, um, got a Scottish granny.
0: hundred percent. Literally tour Peloto's little brother. Yep, definitely. He's getting get, get him in the squad. Jack um, Dempsey. Oh, no brainer. I mean to be fair, that's a ni- that's a nice little tour as well for the, the Scotland team, Argentina and Chile. Sort of sort of a little bit away okay. kind of opportunity to sort of like tune can kind of rest some of the I reckon you sort of rest in your hogs, your Russells, etc., bringing in some of the younger guys and just i'm at generally from like a tour morale standpoint it's a pretty fun place to be right you've toured
2: argentina before alan um That's have you got true. any words of advice for the for the scotland lads
0: what That's to do what not to do me and matt both have we've got a 100 record in uh in south america nice and what about on the rugby field Wow, 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 wow we are well, well we <laughs>
3: Jesus Christ. Yeah. My my advice would be uh wear your
0: kilt at all times when you go out. It's quite effective.
2: Quite effective, indeed.
0: No, it's quite effective for like people being nice to you and getting into places. <laughs> uh, speak, Alan, speak backtracking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it'd be absolutely fantastic. It's it's a, it's it is actually a great, a great place to go and play rugby as well.
2: Good stuff and nice, nice to get a, a sort of tier. I mean, will Chile
0: even be a tier two nation? Yeah, they beat um, Canada. Did they? Did they, beat, mm. did they beat the USA? Or they at least like took the USA close? They sort of definitely sort of fit into sort of almost like your your Romanias and Portugal's. I would sort of Portugal, say. yeah.
3: I think um, when Squidge did that, like top moments of the year last year, Chile were actually featured in a few clips, and they, they got some quite handy players actually.
2: Yeah, they are twenty third in the men's world rankings, below Hong Kong and Canada and Spain, just above Namibia Scotland, and Scotland. Russia, who have been at who have been at the World Cups recently.
3: Yeah, Scotland captain by Nick Haining loses to Chile. <laughs> That'd <laughs> be so good.
2: Heard it here first. Well, um, always a pleasure to be here, potting with you guys. Um, particularly after Car Cut Cup, when we will be back, as I say, later on in the week after the Scotland squad has been announced. To talk about all of that. In the meantime, join um, join us on our social media feeds on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram Thistle Understuck Rugby Pod, and subscribe to Scotland's only. Um, independent newsletter. Um, that's on Substack. This is Scottish Rugby Podcast. Matt puts together some beautiful words dropping with you on a Monday morning. Um, so get yourself onto there as well. And we will be back. Um, speak to you soon. Cheers. Do we, do we need the use
0: of the word independent in that statement? It's Sorry, go again. Sco- Sorry. Scotland, It was a joke. I was joking. <laughs> it's, <laughs> is it, It's not just Scotland's only rugby newsletters. Is there all these no. other like, professional the, the,
2: the ones? S, the S.R.U. E. put. <laughs> The SRU put out Dross links to their store and stuff like that. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> independent, it's like it's artisanally crafted. <laughs> it's one hundred percent organic newsletter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then, or it's the
3: newsletter dedicated to an independent Scotland.
2: Not to be not to be confused with, although that could actually <laughs> boost our readership quite significantly. I would have thought. <laughs> yeah,
0: a nice little crossover.
2: Absolutely. Well, on that on that note, we'll have to go off to go and think about how we can get some new followers. Um we will speak to you later on in the week. Cheers.